You are listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. Resonate is a collegiate church planning network in the Northwest. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at resonate.net. Well, yeah, good to see you. My name is Josh, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Last week, we started a series in the book of Jonah, and we're going to continue that for the next few weeks. Uh, And the book of Jonah is a small book in the Old Testament, uh, primarily focused on a prophet named Jonah. Uh, and, And as we got into it last week, I started to think, um, man, what a glorious story this is, how, how fun this is, how uh, engaging this is. And then I also started to think of all the, the pictures I have when I think about the book of Jonah. So uh, I, I bet most of you in this room, uh, if not all of you in this room, whether you have church background or not, uh, know the story of Jonah uh, before it was told to you. So if I were to ask you how many of you know the story of Jonah, a uh, show of hands, probably 100% of you would say, I know that story. Uh, but then if I asked how many of you have read it multiple times, uh, thoroughly thought through it and asked, how does it apply to my life? Less of us might raise our hand for that question. And, and here's why. Uh, most of us know the story of Jonah being about a guy and a fish. A guy and a fish. That's primarily what the story uh, is told to us about. Yesterday, I was at a coffee shop and there was three people sitting behind me and I was doing that thing where like I had in headphones, but I didn't have any music on in my headphones so I could listen to what they're saying. Am I the only one? You've done it. Don't lie. Okay, so I was doing that thing, um, and they were, talking, they were talking about Jesus. They were talking about Christianity, and one of them uh, didn't seem to believe, and one of them did, and the third person was awkwardly sitting there. I couldn't figure out what they were doing. Uh, but I was listening, and, and throughout the course of the conversation, they were covering creation and, and all sorts of questions that, that the Christian faith has to answer. Uh, and the guy that seemed like he wasn't a believer uh, mentioned Jonah. He said, yeah, what about that story in the Bible about the fish and the guy, and, and the guy gets swallowed by the fish? How, how do you explain that story? And so then the guy tries to explain the story of the guy getting swallowed by the fish. And again, I was like, it's a story about a fish. That's what all of us know. Uh, If you have church background growing up, uh, this is called the veggie tales effect. So the people that just like ha-ha'd a little bit right there, those people have a lot of church background. And they grew up watching a cartoon. I was actually hoping there would be silence at that joke, uh, because that would be a lot more encouraging for the life of our church. Um, But the fact that you laughed means that you know about a little tomato and a little cucumber that told you Bible stories uh, that primarily ended with, be nice, little kids. Like generally, that's what it was. Like uh, be kind to one another. So the, the veggie tale effect, the kid's story effect, if you Google Jonah, you would see a big fish. That's what you would see. Uh, but listen, that, that's actually not helping us. And here's why. The, the story of Jonah is four chapters and there are two verses about a fish in the whole story. Two verses, two, not Three, two verses about a fish in the whole story. But, but when we look at the story, we go, this is a story about a fish and a guy, and we make the fish the focus. So listen, the, the fish, the whale, whatever you want to say it, it is not the focus of the story. If you're teaching your kids the story of Jonah, don't focus on the fish. Focus on the fact that if you're disobedient to God, you'll get thrown in the ocean. Like, that's a much better focus for children to know, be careful. And then the fish, yeah, you can, you can bring up the fish, but he's not the focus of the story. That's really not what this is about. But, but often we, we see these stories and they almost feel like they, they were created to entertain us or something, which, which actually all, all of this leads to a, a pretty important question. Here, here's the question. Um, what is the book of Jonah doing in the Bible? Why, why is it here? 
Because the Bible has a purpose. The Bible's trying to do something. And the book of Jonah is in the Bible. So what is the purpose? Because again, most of us think the purpose is about the fish. And we're saying the fish is not the focus, which leads to the question, well, what is the focus? So, so let me remind us of, of the purpose of the Bible. The, the purpose of the Bible is not to entertain children, which sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But that's not the purpose. It's not to tell us what fish are capable of and scientifically whether or not that's possible. That's not the purpose. We can talk about that, but that's not the purpose. The purpose of the Bible is to reveal the character of God, to tell us who Jesus is, and to tell us, to show us his purposes in the world, what he's like, what he's doing, and how we can enter into what God is doing in the world. That's, that's what this story is about. So, so when, you look, when you open the book of Jonah, you're looking at a story in God's word about a prophet. And as you get to know the story, you eventually have to ask, okay, if that's true of Jonah, and if that's what the first people heard this story to be, how can I then take that truth and apply it to my life? So here, here we go. Jonah 1, let's, let's just read these first few verses. And remember, the focus isn't the fish, so don't go there yet. And, and ask the question, why is this in the Bible, and what does God have to say to us? So verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Right away, you've got God speaking to a prophet. So you're like, okay, I'm tracking. If you go to the next book of the Bible, God speaks to another prophet. Like this, this is pretty normal. God speaks to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. What you would think, again, if you didn't know the story, you'd be like, okay, cool. Like God spoke to a prophet named Jonah. Awesome. So far, so good. Told him to go to this place called Nineveh. Uh, the wickedness of Nineveh is great. And God wants to bring uh, his word to that place. You would think that verse three would be like, and Jonah stood up and said, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. That, that might happen. But verse three says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a boat or a ship bound for that, for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And we showed you this last week. Uh, where he was supposed to go was like 500 miles. He ended up trying to go 2,500 miles. He goes absolutely to the ends of the earth at that time. But again, what is this doing in the Bible? Why is this here? So stay with me. Jonah, to the people that were reading this story and would have seen this story, Jonah is the representative of the covenant people of God. He represents God's people, the Israelites, the Hebrews, and he is the one put forward as the representative of this people group. So the covenant people of God had been told to do something when they got the covenant. If you remember all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham, gives him a covenant. And what's that covenant? I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing. I'm going to use you so that my name might be made great among the nations. Look up at the stars in the sky, Abraham. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Look at the sand on the shore. That's, that's how much I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing. That's how much I'm going to use you and the people that come from you to create a, a new covenant people through all people in the world. And so in the story, that's what's being happened. God is going to use this people to bless others. And Jonah is one of these people. But God surveys the world in the story, and he sees a horrible thing coming up out of the city of Nineveh. Nineveh is uh, the capital city of uh, the Assyrian Empire, and he wants them to be preached to. He wants them to come to repentance. But then Jonah flees to the end of the known world, and that's where the story gets fun. He gets on a boat. He gets thrown off the boat because of the storm. The big fish takes him. He stays in the big fish for all of chapter two. He gets spit out. The same thing uh, is told of him again. Hey, you're going to go and you're going to preach to the Ninevites. And, and you read about this. Then they has a revival. Then he's under a tree for a little bit. And, and if you study the story, here, here's where it gets interesting. If you pay attention, 
you realize really quickly, you're like, hang on a second. If this isn't about a fish, this is about a guy who runs from the Lord, gets put into a dark place and brought up and God tells him to do the same thing he told him before the disobedience. It, it turns on you like the Bible always does. It turns on you and you start to ask the question, hang on a second. This isn't just a cute story. This is about me. This is not a harmless, cute tale. This is a story riddled with pride and hatred and fear and hypocrisy and racism. This is not a cute tale. This is the tale of God's covenant people who were supposed to be acting out their covenant duty. And God gives them a command, Jonah, and he runs the other way. And you go very quickly, hang on a second. How, if that's true of Jonah, how, how does that apply to me? If, if that's a representative of God's covenant people and we, the church, are now God's covenant people, and this is what happened in his story, how, how does this apply to my story? Well, it does not take long. Like verse one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, go. And right away you go, hang on a second, that sounds familiar. So right away, the word of the Lord has come to every follower of Jesus and said, go. That, that's, that's the same news for us. The word of the Lord has come to us and said, go really practically right now where you are, go and be a person who is blessed to be a blessing, be a person who sees themselves as a part of God's mission to bring good in all the places you find yourself in. Go to these places, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you're called to that place. You've been sent to that place. Go, 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 go. We talk about this all the time. We talk about this in church planting. We talk about this on trips. We celebrate this. Listen, we film stories of people who say yes to going to where God's called them to go. We, we love to tell those stories because they're so beautiful and so fulfilling and so enriching. And that's what uh, we want to be the narrative of our church is people saying yes when God says go. When God says go, we say yes. When God says go, we say yes. That's what we want to be the story. So we celebrate that all the time. But that's not this story. This story, God says go, and Jonas says no. So we have a disobedience story here. And listen, I, I submit to you, we don't, we don't talk about those as much. That's much trickier. That's much touchier. That's all up in your business, right? Because if, if God says go and you're disobeying, the last thing you want to do is film a testimony video about why you're disobeying, Right? Uh, after service today, we'd like to take uh, volunteers. We have a video camera set up in the lobby. You're going to walk by and tell us why you're actively going against God's call in your life. Anybody want to do that video? No, we're going to celebrate disobedience. No, we don't. That's harder. It's much harder, but that's the story here. Then you ask the question, why is he disobeying? If that's, if that's what Jonah's doing, what's led him to disobey? And, and it's, not, it's not hard to see that Jonah is disobeying God. And going to the Ninevites to share his word because God, sorry, Jonah does not have God's heart for the Ninevites. Jonah does not have God's understanding of what God's doing in the world. And he doesn't have that at all. And simply to apply that to us again, most of the time we disobey. When God says go, we disobey because we likely don't have God's heart on that subject. God has, has sent us to do something. We don't have his heart, so we end up going the other way. And so when I say we don't have God's heart, here's what I mean. I mean God wants all people to become his covenant people. There is no one too far. There is no one too bad. There is no one too distant. That God is sending his covenant people, the church, to be a blessing to the world because they've been blessed as the church and he wants all people to become his covenant people. And that's what he has a heart for in all the world. So God has a heart for the people around you and he sent you to those people. 
And then even bigger than that, futuristically, God has a plan for you. He's got a design for you. He wants you to walk in some future things that is going to take risk and it's going to call you to obey. And when Jonah finally does obey, revival breaks out in the city of Nineveh. It breaks out in the city. Like they put sackcloth and ashes on the animals. I don't know the last time you had like a massive conversion experience in your house and you like changed your dog's appearance to show like, like salvation has come to our house. Even my dogs are wearing sackcloth and ashes because of how transformational this has been in my life. That's what happens in the city of Nineveh. And you would think at that part of the story, Jonah would be like, oh, okay, uh, sorry about that, God. Uh, it turned out I didn't have your heart. Uh, and I went and I did the thing you asked me to do and everybody like revival broke out and now I have your heart. Oh man, whew, missed it. I, I repent, my bad. That's not what happens. Jonah disobeyed the Lord even when he was obeying the Lord. He, he disobeys again and you go, how did Jonah not have God's heart? Jonah didn't have God's heart because Jonah was a nationalist. He was a tribalist. Ultimately, he was a racist. He did not want salvation to go to the Ninevites. He wanted it to stay among the Israelites. You go, Josh, how do you know that's true? Chapter four, verse one, after revival has broke out in Nineveh, verse one says, but, Jonah, but to Jonah, this revival seemed very wrong and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said to you, Lord, while I was still at home? This is why I tried to foretell by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sin and calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. I, Jonah says this, I would rather die than watch you bring salvation on my enemies. So, so what, do you, what do you do when God loves the people you hate? What do you do when God has a word for the people you hate? What do you do when God wants to use you to be sent to the people you hate? Jonah didn't want to go because he thought that salvation belonged to the Israelites only and he misunderstood God's covenant people being sent into the world to make more covenant people. And so one, one of the Bible commentators said this, um, he said, the book of Jonah is a story of God educating a racist prophet about his will for all people. That's what this story is about. Jonah wanted their doom and God wanted their sonship and their become his sons and daughters. And Jonah wanted uh, the calamity of God to come on them. So it was really hard for Jonah to have God's heart. And it's really hard for Jonah to want to bless people when Jonah in his heart hated those people and wanted those people to be cursed. You can't have goodwill towards someone when those people are your enemies. And so Jonah comes along and says, I'm a Hebrew and I don't want others who aren't Hebrews to experience the goodness and the grace of God. I think I'm better than them. That's the story. And you look at your life and you go, okay, if this, if this is a story about racism, if this is a story about classism, superiority, if, however you want to frame this thing, if that's what the story is about, then you have to ask the question, is this happening in my heart? Is this happening around me? What does this look like? How do I respond to this? What does this feel like? And as I was reading through this, I immediately thought of my freshman year in college. Uh, I was at a Baptist university and I shared a, a bathroom. So I had a sweet mate who was an African-American guy and, and I lived here and he lived here and we shared a bathroom. 
uh, and my freshman ministry, uh, I took a class called Intro to Ministry. Yeah, it's, that's a fun, it's a very boring class. But I took an Intro to Ministry class, and our, our uh, year project was, um, my, mine was on worship. I wanted to be a worship leader, and so uh, I was going to put on an event uh, showcasing like five different kinds of worship uh, at this church that I went to. And so it was a Sunday night, and we were going to have uh, like, uh, more traditional worship, like with an organ. We were going to do some acapella singing. We're going to have like a rock band with like lasers and like smoke and like you can't see anything like that, you know, like what we do here. Um, and so unfortunately we should, uh, whatever. Okay. So th- that, and then um, we, we were going to do like choir. So I had all this stuff set up. It was just, it was just going to be like this night of worship. And the worship pastor at that church was working with me. And my, my sweet mate, William, uh, played gospel music. He played the keyboard and he had an amazing voice. And I was like, dude, can you like be a part of my thing? And would you sing gospel songs with us? And like, I want to do a duet with you. We'll do this whole thing. And so uh, he goes and he, he participates in the night and it all goes well. Uh, and it's awesome. Like my friend William's awesome. And he sings uh, beautifully. And the worship pastor of that church uh, becomes friends with William. He's like, dude, you're great. Would you be willing to like sing on a Sunday morning for the whole church? Uh, and we'll sing together and it'll be great. And we'll, we'll figure this thing out. And so, you know, a month later or so, uh, my friend William comes on Sunday morning to sing for the church. And uh, it, it goes really well. And I'm there and it's just beautiful. It was, it was profound, awesome stuff. And uh, a couple of weeks later, you start to hear uh, that William's going to come back. And some people in the church are like, um, I don't like that that guy leads worship. And you're like, well, why not? Um, and there, there's just these subtle hints of like, um, that, that kind of person can't lead worship in this kind of church. You're like, what, what kind of person is William? He's just a Baptist college student who sings worship songs? No, no, no. Um, he shouldn't be on stage. And so uh, the worship pastor heard this. He's like, oh, if you do that, I'm going to bring him back like three weeks in a row. So uh, brought him back like three weeks in a row, uh, which again, whatever. This is just, I'm just telling you what happened. Uh, and then we had like to have a meeting for the church. The church gathers together and like people start to fight over whether or not William can lead worship in his church. And they start to say he, he shouldn't be here. He shouldn't belong here. Uh, and, and we're like in a service where people are yelling at it. Like imagine like a business meeting where people are yelling at each other. And one guy calls the pastor out like, hey, pastor, you should step up and you should lead this thing. This isn't right. And another guy steps up and like, you don't talk to my pastor that way. And another guy says, you tell your pastor to quit being a racist. <laughs> it's like it, went, it was the greatest business meeting I've ever been to in my whole life. Never have I been a part of a church meeting that was that fun. Uh, and terrible and heartbreaking at the same time. Um, so anyways, the worship pastor ends up resigning from the church. He's like, if this is what's going to happen here, uh, I can't work here anymore. Uh, I ended up going to a different church. And so this, this whole thing went down because that kind of person can't lead worship in our church. That kind of person can't lead worship in our church. Um, I, I feel uncomfortable with those kind of people. That's the terminology that speaks to a heart condition that Jonah had. I don't believe God could do something with that kind of group. And so you start to put that over any kind of ministry and you start to ask yourself the question like, 
can, can you do homeless ministry or is that like hard for you because those kind of people? Or can you do uh, ministry to widows or, or that kind of people make you feel uncomfortable? Can you do ministry to lower income families or is that hard for you? Can you do ministry to high income families or, or do you feel like those people don't belong? Uh, can you do orphan care or do you have some, some stuff in your heart against that? I remember us when we adopted our little girl from China, there were some people in our family that was like, they, the subtlety, the subtlety of it it is what's so heartbreaking. They, they would say things to us like, I don't know how you guys can adopt from another country and love that kid like it's your own kid. You're like, they're like, they don't look like you. They're not from you biologically. Like, I don't know how you could do that and love that kid like they're your own kid. And you're like, uh, because I was loved like I was God's own kid when I'm not his own kid. Like, it's not hard. But the subtlety of the racism, I, I can't love and want good for Democrats. I can't love and want good for Republicans. I can't love and want good for third party. I can't, whatever it is, the story remains that there is a high possibility of some of us running from God's calling because of our view of other people that he's called us to. There is a high possibility that some of us in this room are actively going against what God has laid out for us because we feel uncomfortable with the kind of people he's called us to. And we feel like I can't go to those kind of people. That is the story of Jonah. And unfortunately, that has been the story of the church for a long time. And a lot of missionaries throughout history had to fight the racism of their own churches in order to go forward and do cross-cultural mission. That happened throughout history. Hudson Taylor going to China, David Livingston going to Africa, Jim Elliott going to the Aka Indians. There were people in the churches that was like, you can't go to those kind of people. It's the story of Jonah just being played out in our day. And what happens when you run from God in these kind of places and why it's so dangerous is because when you run from God, you start to run from his heart. You start to forget what he's called you to. And, and the further you run from God, the longer we run from God, the more we lose his heart of mission towards the whole world. And the more we lose his eyes to see his glory going forth to all peoples. And, and the more you, you find it difficult to celebrate what he's doing across all nations, across all cultural backgrounds, the, the less you see the image of God and the people around you, that's what Jonah misunderstood. And that's what's hurtful in this story. And so when God brings revival to people Jonah hates, he can't even celebrate. Jonah says, I'd, I'd rather die. And there's people in the church that would say, I'd rather die than let that person lead worship. Or I'd rather leave the church than let this person do that. Or I'd rather uh, not send a missionary if you're going to go to that place. And God in heaven is looking down saying, you're my covenant people and I've called you to be blessed, to be a blessing. <laughs> And I've called you to go into all nations, making known the glorious goodness of me as your heavenly father. And they miss it because they're narrow-minded and the racism has set forth in their heart and needs to be uprooted. Uh, one of the commentators I read said this. He says, God's heart for mission didn't start in the New Testament. His heart has always been a heart of mission. You could even argue that God is the first missionary when he goes searching for Adam and Eve when they hid their sin. And he tells Abram that he wants to bless the nations through him. And Jonah hates that about God. For Jonah, it is right and proper for God to only be merciful to Israel, but it is not right and proper for God to show mercy to anyone else. That has to be uprooted. That has to be uprooted and repented of if we want to get God's heart. So you go, okay, Josh, maybe that's not my thing. 
but I am running from God. And, and I think any of us, like if I were to say, hey, are there places in your life where you're being disobedient to what God's called you to? It doesn't take long for us to say, yeah, th- there are some places. And honestly, there are some things in our stories that are pretty similar. And so for many of us, you go, here's why I'm running from God. There's, there's some pretty uh, similar reasons why we run from God. And I think if we can expose these things, then we can allow the spirit of God to pull the roots out of our hearts. So just to name a few, um, based on the story that we find ourselves in, we, we run from God oftentimes because the cost seems too high. So wherever you're at, you go, prejudice isn't my thing. Racism isn't my thing. Uh, I, I have a different thing. You go, well, what's your thing? And there, th- this is also in the story that the cost seems too high. Like later you find out what Jonah's issue was, but at the beginning of the story, you don't know what his issue is. So maybe he's just like, the cost is too high in this story. And so you start to say things like, uh, God, I need you to use somebody else for this. I know you told me that you want to see this thing happen, but, but I can't do it because that's going to cost me too much. So I need you to find someone else. Uh, a pastor I, I read wrote an article said this. He says, when you look at the story of Jonah, Jonah just flat out, as clear as you can make it, is leaving God's presence and leaving any sense of responsibility to what he's been called to. He's getting himself in a position where he cannot do what God wants him to do. And Jonah is forcing God to pick someone else. Jonah is looking at God and saying, no, 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 you pick somebody else because the cost is too high. And so when you look at, look at our story, you go, um, honestly, the cost that I, I know I feel called to that, but that's going to cost my parents approval of me. Uh, and that's, that's a pretty high cost for me, Josh. Um, that, that's going to cost my reputation if I go do that thing. That's going to cost some friendships that I've really been working to, to maintain, that's going to cost that. Uh, some of you in the room may not even believe in this yet. And you go, I, I'm interested in being a Christian, uh, but it seems like the cost is too high to follow Christ. And so currently I'm running from God because to follow God seems like a cost that's too high. Some of you in the room feel like God's called you to leadership and you should be leading a village starting in January. But you're like, man, I, I know he says that to me, but that cost seems really high. And I don't know if I'm capable of that. Some of you feel uh, like you need to be leading in our city or on campus or in other places where you, you know that God's like prompting you, hey, take some responsibility in this. Hey, lead out in this. Hey, I can give you some favor in this. And you go, no, no, I can't do that. The cost seems too high. Some of you know you need to have a conversation at work or a conversation with your neighbor. And you're like, I can't obey in that thing because the cost is too high. And that's what happens in, in the story. That's what happens in a lot of our stories. And honestly, we see people all the time, they'll, they'll come to us as leaders with some really cool idea and they're stoked about it. And we're like, that sounds like a great idea. You should absolutely do that. And then a couple weeks later, it fizzles out and you're like, what happened? They're like, oh, it's just that cost is too high. And you're like, did God tell you something different? They're like, no, it's still there, but someone else should do it. Oh, you just want someone else to do it and pay the cost is too high because you don't want to do it. What if God really wants you to do that thing? What, what, what in our city do you feel like needs to change? What on our campus do you feel like that thing needs to change? And the more you get passionate about that, and the more you pray about that, you feel like God is saying, hey, you go. Hey, you go step into that leadership. Hey, you go move into that thing. Hey, you go be a blessing to all these people. And you're like, no, nah, I, I know someone should do that. How about, the, how about Resonate does that? Uh, Resonate should do that. <laughs> like, we can't, but you can 
And we love to equip you and help you to do that, but so oftentimes we run from God because the cost seems too high. In direct connection with that, oftentimes we run from God because we love comfort and security. We love comfort and security. In the story, Jonah runs as far as he possibly can. He goes down to a port, finds another boat going a different direction, and goes the other way because to go to Nineveh is scary. To go to Nineveh is uncomfortable. The Assyrian people were savages. The city of Nineveh was a dangerous place. He does not want to go because he has uh, a lot of fear of this. And so he gets really creative in running from God like creative, like goes down and finds a boat, talks some people into getting on the boat, pays a fare, and goes the other way. It's, it's funny, if you look at this story, the, the amount of energy it took for Jonah to disobey God was about five times more energy than it would have took just to obey God. And you go, okay, that sounds like my story. <laughs> You're like, oh, cute for Jonah. No, 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 listen, there are many of us in this room using our most creative energies to disobey God. And we are using a lot of time and effort to disobey God. And it's taking five times more energy to live in disobedience than it would be simply to turn and obey what God's called you to. But you go, why are you living in disobedience? Because you love comfort. (laughs) Because you love security. People go to great lengths to disobey God. People get multiple cell phones to disobey People go on far trips to disobey. People hide things like creatively to disobey. And God invites us into something so much better and so much easier in some ways. Not that the cost is lower, but that just moving forward in what God calls you to doesn't have to be as difficult as oftentimes what it takes to disobey him. But some of us feel like God has given us exactly what we should do, and yet we don't know how to walk in it. Because the comfort and security we find ourselves in and this is what's hard about like even just our very lives. Like, I, I don't know if you're anything like me, but like routine is important to me. You want to be able to expect things. Like even like if I drink coffee, this not, I'm not like a snob, but like some coffee, you're like, I don't want that. Like that comfort is too much for me. Like bad coffee is off limits. And you, you've built a life around comfort. You've built a life around security and, and you walk in that. And then you overlay Jesus on top of a life built on comfort and security. And then you start to read the Bible. You start to pray and God tells you, hey, I want you to do this thing. And you're like, that, that doesn't really fit my plans, God. Like, I don't know if you know my routine, but that's like way outside of my routine. And you're like, but God put a burden on you to do something. God wants you to start a nonprofit in our city. God wants you to start something on campus. God wants you to bring forth his kingdom in an initiative that doesn't already exist. And that's absolutely uncomfortable. There's no security in that at all. That seems like costly. It's going to cost you a lot. And oftentimes our response is, God, find somebody else. I got a lot going on. I got a routine I got to keep up. I got a life that's going a certain way. And here comes God saying, hey, I need you to step out in some stuff. And our comfort and our security absolutely work against us. And then the last one, which I think is just, again, pretty self-evident. We run from God because we long for control. So there's obviously security. There's obviously comfort. Sometimes the cost is too high, but we want control. We want control. We like to tell God the plan we have for our life, and we'd like for him to bless that plan. 
God, here's what I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to go to school for these four years. I'm going to get this kind of GPA. I'm going to get this kind of job. I'm going to get this kind of spouse. I'm going to get this kind of dog. I'm going to move into this kind of neighborhood. And I'd like you to bless all that, please, God. Uh, And I'd like to be in control of all that, please, God. And you could tag along with me, and that'd be awesome. And God's like, no, you're called to Nineveh. And you're like, Nineveh is not on my 15-year plan, God. And uh, my insurance may not cover that. And uh, I'm about to be off my parents' insurance, and I'm stressed about that. Um, and yeah, no thanks, God. And God's saying, hey, could you, could you give me control of your life? And you're like, oh, God, you have control. And you're like, okay, how much control are you talking? Like, when I, when I get to the big stuff, like, when I want you to do this with your kids, when I want you to do this with your house, when I want you to do this with your life, can I speak to that stuff? And you're like, no, that's off limits. I control that. Um, I'll give you like two and a half hours a week and uh, you can put it in your schedule how you want me to live that. You're like, that, that, that's a control thing. And so when you look at this story, you go, you, you don't get to have control. God hasn't promised us comfort or security. When you look at the story of Jesus, he says, if anyone wants to follow him, he's got to take up his cross and die to himself. So the cost is always going to be high. And you go, why, why would I be motivated to do that? You would be motivated to do that because you're his covenant people. And his covenant people have been blessed to be a blessing. His covenant people have not been blessed to be comfortable. They've not been blessed to walk in security. They haven't been blessed to control their own lives. They haven't been blessed so that their cost would go down. They've been blessed so that they could leverage their life and their influence and their money and their jobs and their time to be a blessing. And Jonah forgot that. And he didn't walk in that. So he runs, thinking that he can escape God's purposes. And so maybe you find yourself there today. You're like, okay, I'm running from the Lord. I'm not walking in this. What do I do now, Josh? I I can't even talk about God's call on my life because I'm actually just walking in so much disobedience that it's really hard for me to even hear from the Lord on something he might have calling for me. Because his call for me right now is like, stop sinning so much, right? And you're, you feel like you're stuck in this to such a degree that you could never walk in the purposes of God. And this is where the fish gets fun. This is where the fish comes into the story. Because in the story here, when you run, you can miss God's purposes, but you don't escape his love. You don't escape his love. So all of us in the room, if we're running the other way, and we're on a boat headed to the other side of the world, And you know that there may be a calling for you, but right now you're operating in disobedience and you go, I'm running from your purposes, God. This is so important. God's covenant people, you are never going to escape the love of God. And so if you want to, again, jokingly, if you want to tell this story to your kids, God loves you so much that when you are running the other way, he is willing to do miraculous, scientifically debate-worthy kind of things to ensure that he can get you back into his purposes. God is willing to rescue you and I from, di- from situations that our own disobedience created. God is willing to rescue you and I from situations that, that our own disobedience created. Jonah created this story. Jonah got on the boat the wrong way. Jonah got thrown into the water. But he did not escape the love of God. And the love of God is ultimately what fuels the purpose of God. What's so funny and ironic about the story is that God called Jonah to go to a group of people that weren't Hebrews so that they would see and glorify God for who he was. Where does Jonah get? On a boat with a bunch of people who aren't Hebrews. 
What ends up happening? He gets thrown off the boat. Then what? God reveals himself to these people on the boat and they end up worshiping and glorifying God. So what's funny about the story is that Jonah is actively running from God's mission while God is actively doing his mission in the middle of Jonah's disobedience. Hey, Jonah, thanks for getting on that boat. I'll go ahead and save all those people too uh, just because I'm God and I'm a better missionary than you are. And I'm going to put you in a fish and then we're going we're gonna to go to Nineveh because you don't disobey me, Jonah. Uh, but thanks for getting on that boat. I was meaning to reach those people. That's really meaningful for me. Um, that the mission of God used Jonah's disobedience is laughable in the story. The guys in the boat fall down and worship God. But this is a story of a prophet who was acting against God actively and God pursued him with his love. And so wherever you find yourself today, God is willing to rescue you from situations that your own disobedience created. God is willing to pursue you in the middle of your disobedience. And the other fun thing about all these Old Testament stories is not just what God is doing with his covenant people. Majority of the Old Testament stories are a foreshadowing of what God ultimately does for his covenant people. And so it doesn't take much to see the story of Jonah being paralleled with the story of Jesus, who ultimately becomes the great rescuer who comes to people who are radically far from God, worse than the Ninevites, all of humanity. In all the accumulation of sin in the world, Jesus comes for us and he brings a rescue to us and he rescues us from a situation our disobedience created. So here's what's, here's what's supposed to be good news for you. When you experience the rescue from disobedience, you want to be sent towards people walking in disobedience. And so the more you can see that you have been rescued from a situation that your own disobedience created, the more you will want to go to people who are sit sitting and living in disobedience. So the question this morning is clear. Where, where are you walking in disobedience? Where are you running from God's call? Where are you sitting in the darkness? And when you look at that story, you don't think, okay, I'm going to swim to the shore and I'm going to make this right. No, no, no. You're, you're going to allow the obedience to cry, of Christ to cover your disobedience. And you're going to be reminded today that you're the covenant people of God. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're the covenant people of God. And you've been rescued from a situation that you created. And let's be honest, disobedience is dark. It's broken. It's hurtful. It's harming you. You're not living on purpose. You're, Jonah wants to die instead of do what God's called him to do. Disobedience is dark. And it's broken. And Christ has entered into that darkness and experienced that darkness on your behalf to rescue from a situation that you created so that you might get his heart and you might see that you've been given a purpose. And that whole concept, this, this concept that you've been rescued out of disobedience is what it means to be blessed. Not have stuff. Having stuff is not blessing biblically. Having peace with God is blessing biblically. You've been, you've been rescued out of this and you've been blessed to go out and be a blessing. And Jonah missed that. So what in your heart? Control, comfort, security, tribalism, nationalism, racism. What, what is it? Lay, lay that stuff before you and say, this is the thing that's keeping me from obeying God. 
And God, I need to be reminded today that I have been blessed and I am your covenant people. And your covenant people have been called to do something in the world. And God, I'm, I'm grateful that I've been rescued. God, would you send me out into the world to be a blessing to those? And would you give me the courage to walk in what you've called me to? God, I pray I don't have to get thrown overboard before I see that you've called me to something. And so if we as a church can operate like that, every single one of us, not just the special prophet person, all of us are representative of God's covenant people. All of us have been told to go. All of us have a choice in front of us to obey or to disobey God's call to go. And the only way we're going to go is if we get his heart. So I want to pray that we would get his heart and we would see the blessing that he's given us in Christ and that that would send us to a life of obedience. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word that in one, in one case is a story about a guy and a fish, but on the other hand is nothing about a story about a guy and a fish. It's the story of your covenant people, a story of being called to go into discomfort, to go into hard places, to go into all the world with the understanding that we've been blessed to be a blessing. So God, it's a pretty simple ask of us today. It's, it's probably the ask we should ask ourselves every day. Where, where are we disobeying? Where, where do we not have your heart? Where, where are we operating with some sense of superiority? Where are we operating with some sense of fear? God, would, be, would we be willing today to humble ourselves? Would we be willing today to be reminded that we're your covenant people? And your heart is for all people. All tribes, all tongues, all races, all classes, all political parties. You, you are drawing them unto yourself, God, and you've invited us to participate in that. So God, today, could we lay down our fears? Could we lay down our, our struggles? And could we allow you, could we allow you to transform us? God, I pray that our lives are not marked by disobedience, but by obedience. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Resonate Church Sermon Podcast. If you are a college student in the Northwest, or if you simply want to see college students come to know Jesus, please connect with us by visiting Resonate.net.